Good morning, One Church. How y'all doing? Are we all good? Fantastic. My name is Chris. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And I'm so glad you guys are here. I'm so glad I'm seeing like people's faces illuminated by your smartphones. I see you over there. Really good. Thank you so much for following along with us on Uversion. And uh, I know there's uh, quite a few people right now watching us via Ustream through our onechurchmedia.tv. So if you're not here, uh, but you're at home on your couch, thank you so much for tuning in with us. Uh, it's so awesome for you guys to be here. We are finishing up our series today entitled Revised. By the way, can you see this? That's us on Ustream. So in that, in that sweet? So I'm talking and I can't shut up. Anyway, um, but we are uh, finishing our series entitled Revised. And the whole premise behind this series is that when Jesus enters your story, everything changes. We've been talking about in this series that all of us, we want to live a big life. We want to live a life that's just so chock full of God's faithfulness and goodness that when we are at the end of our lives and we are telling our story, we're really telling God's story, and people are left with their mouths hung open going, really, did that happen just the way you said it, or did you exaggerate a little bit? And you say, no, it happened just that way. Really? I mean, God really came through for you that way. He really came through for you with your kids that way. He came through with your business that way. He came through with your finances. Yeah, I didn't embellish. That is how it worked. All of us, we want to live a life that's a really big story where God is made big. But I feel like most of us, really, when we think about it, when we look at our lives, we're not living that story. We're living a story that kind of exists as something like this. We get up on Monday, and we keep on hitting snooze on the alarm clock, and we're keeping on hitting snooze on our lives. We wake up, and we go to a job that we hate with people and work with people that we don't like to a boss we don't like, and we exist from 9 until 5. We come home, we drive into the garage, we close the garage door, and many of us, we come home to families we don't like and to children we don't like, and we go to sleep, and we really don't like our life, and then we get up and we live it all over again, and we're living this daily rut and one of the things we're looking at through this series is we have, I do, I truly believe that the God of the Bible who could revise people's stories and make stories big, that God hasn't changed. And that same God can do and make your story a really big story. I believe that when we meet Jesus, everything changes. Now, I'm saying that today, but I'll be honest with you, today we're looking at a passage of Scripture where people met Jesus and things didn't change. We're going to see some, some people, three in particular, whom we don't know their names, actually come in contact with God. And many of them are even saying the right things, but they walk away from God and their lives have not changed one millimeter. And here's the thing. Jesus lets them walk away. I mean, why would somebody walk away from a big life? In fact, our verse we read last week, John chapter 10, verse 10, it's going to be on the screen, says this. Jesus says, I came so that they can have real, everybody say real, real and eternal life. Now, here's the thing. Most of us, if you're in church, maybe you've been bounced out of church, but you're back in church, you're going to expect a pastor to get up and talk about eternal life. 
And most of the times we think, okay, eternal life, you know, and, and only eternal life. But God wants, yes, for you to have eternal life, but he wants you to experience real life when, not just afterwards, but now. Real and eternal life, more and better life than you have ever dreamed of. How many of y'all, you got some crazy dreams? We got some crazy dreams. And there's nothing wrong with that. God's saying that your dreams that you have for your life, God even wants something better than you could ever dream for for yourself. And again, I don't know about you, but I got some great dreams. That God wants your life to be real, better, more better than you've ever dreamed of. Why would anybody say no to that? And that's what we're going to be looking at and camping out today. The passage of Scripture we're looking at today is a passage I've never ever preached on. It's in Luke chapter 9. And as you're turning there, if you're getting there on version, or we give away Bibles for free, I just want to talk about our big idea today. Because I truly believe that the reason why many of us aren't living that big life is because we're not making God big in our lives. It's all about priority. Our big idea says this. If God is going to make your story big, you're going to have to make him big in your story. If God is going to make your story big, then you are going to have to make him big in your story. Uh, 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 John the Baptist said it a little bit differently. He says, he must increase and I must decrease. It's all about priorities. You see, here's the thing about God. God wants to be numero uno in your life. Thank you, Dora the Explorer. Learn some Spanish. All right? He wants to be, by the way, for the layperson, that's number one, all right? He wants to be number one in your life. He doesn't want to be an addition or addendum to your life. He doesn't want that. And let me tell you, if your idea of Christianity and God and religion is, okay, I'm going to keep on doing my stuff, and I'm just going to add a little bit of God, that is not Christianity. And some of you, the reason why you've been in church and you kind of bounce out of church is because that's the way you kind of approach God. I'm going to get a little pinch of God here. It's like you're making a recipe. Right? Little pinch of salt, little pinch of cumin, little pinch of cinnamon, and what do you got? Right? You can do all the pinches you want to, but what God's saying is, I just don't want to be a pinch. I want to be the whole thing. God doesn't want to be the addendum or adding to your life. He wants to be your life. He wants to be a part of your plan before you even begin the plan. Some of you are like, man, I'll get serious about God when I get old. But right now, I'm young, baby, and I am going to party hardy. Let me tell you, God wants to be a part of your life before you turn 70, before you turn 80. Can God use 70 and 80-year-olds? Absolutely. But let me tell you, God wants to be your God when you're 20 because he can use you better and longer than when you're 70 or 80. Let think about it this way. There's a thief hanging on the cross. And Jesus saves him. But yet, he saves him, but the the thief on the cross couldn't serve him because it was the end of his life. And some of you, you're approaching this whole thing, I will get serious with God after. And God is saying, no, no, no. If you want to live a big life now, then you're going to have to make God big in your life today. That's going to be it. That's going to be the premise. It's all about priorities. Who are you going to put as number one? Now, in Luke 9, Jesus has become a popular person. I mean, everybody's hanging out with Jesus. He's drawing crowds. And a lot of people are following Jesus because of what they can get 
from Jesus. In Luke chapter 9, verse 57, it says this. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Doesn't that sound spiritual? I will follow you wherever you go. I mean, that sounds like true commitment. I will follow you wherever you go. I mean, you, you, you just you listen to that and you're like, man, you've got the way you're talking. And man, it's just so awesome. I mean, and I'm sure he probably said it in a deep James Earl Jones voice. And maybe he was even speaking in King James English. I will follow us you wherever you go. Right? I mean, he had a wonderful talk, and he had all kinds of... We're going to see, though, his talk really didn't match his walk. I will follow you wherever you go. And you know what? What's so amazing about this is... Even though he, he sounds great, Jesus sees through all of his motives because he sees this guy that he is not number one. Jesus is not number one in this guy's life. His stuff is number one. In fact, how do we know that? Because of how Jesus responds. He responds in this way. He sees right through his motives, verse 58, but Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man, that's Jesus, has no place to even lay his head. The man says, hey, wherever you go, Jesus, I'm going to be there. And Jesus says, do you, know, do you know what you're talking about? Do you know, you know, birds know where they're going to sleep. They got nest. Foxes know where they're going to go to sleep tonight. They have holes. But tonight, I don't know where I'm going to land. Tonight, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I may be in this person's house. I may be outside underneath the stars with my disciples. I don't know where this evening is going to land. Are you still going to follow me? Are you still going to follow me even though there's this insecurities and question marks in life? That I mean, are you still really going to follow through? I mean, a lot of people were drawn to Jesus because of what he could bring. I mean, you think about it. You got hungry? Jesus can make an all-you-can-eat buffet from just a couple of fish. I mean, you got thirsty? He could, he could draw some living water for you. Uh, you know, if, if, you, if, if, if you got lame, he could make you walk. If you got blind, he could make you see. If you got leprosy, he can make you totally pure. If you died, guess what Jesus can do? He can raise you from the dead. I mean, think of the doctor's bills you would save. Just hanging out with Jesus. I mean... Think of the money you could actually spend if you wasn't spending it on life insurance. Anybody else, or not life insurance, health insurance. Dear Jesus, I mean, every month when we sign the life, insur- life insurance, health insurance check, I want, I want to yell. Because I'm thinking, that's money that we could do with something else. And, and it's money that you kind of throw out there, and hopefully you never use it, but sometimes you do, right? So an accident happens. But, I mean, how much money you could save? Do you know how much money you could save never having to pay a funeral director? Because if you died, Jesus could bring you back to life? I mean, following Jesus was awesome, right? But (laughs) what's so amazing is Jesus sees through all of that, and Jesus realizes that that he's not the priority in this guy's life. Stuff Money, big house, that's the priority in this guy's life. Jesus sees through all of that good talk, and he says, I will follow you anywhere. And he says, I don't know where I'm going to end at tonight. Are you willing to follow God in the uncomfortable areas of your life? 
Are you willing to follow God in the insecure places of your life? Are you willing to follow Jesus when he doesn't tell you how it's going to end? Are you willing to follow Jesus when there are question marks? You see, the reason why this guy did not live a really big life is because his stuff got in the way. And some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you think, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus once and you fill in the blank. Once the house gets paid off, once you buy a house, once whatever it is, and stuff gets in the way of us making a reckless, abandoned, amazing decision for God because we got too much debt. We got too much student loans. We got whatever. All right? Now, let's, and I just want to say this, prosperity theology. There are a lot of churches out there saying, you know what, if you just name it, claim it, that God wants you to drive a BMW. That God wants you to be rich and he wants you to be a millionaire. Usually bad televangelists with terrible hair say that. Let me tell you this. They don't get that from the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't lay his head. You see, you need to, whoever you're listening to, whatever books you're reading, whatever it is, you gotta, you have to compare it with all of Scripture. You, no matter who you're listening to, if it's me, you gotta compare it to all of Scripture. And that doesn't fit with this right here. Jesus did not have a place to lay his head. But God wants you to live in a 6,000 millionaire Biltmore house? Maybe not. Now, here's the thing. If you have a car, drive it. Have fun with it. If you've got a house, live in it for the glory of God. I mean, if you've, got, if you've got all that stuff, use it to God to make God's name big. But know this, that we have to live a life detached because if God ever says, listen, I know I gave that stuff to you, but now I want you to give it all up for me, we're not like, who just said that? I don't know who that is. I, I'm, I'm going to become a Buddhist. Right? We have to live a life. And so many times God blesses us with stuff, and the very stuff that he blesses us with, it chokes us out, our relationship with God. And we start following stuff instead of following God, the Savior. This guy had a problem with stuff. Let's look at the next guy, though. The next guy. There's a second man. He comes along, and I think he heard what Jesus said to the first guy. And I'm going to tell you why in just a sec. says this. He said to another person, come and follow me. The man agreed. So we're good. The man said, I got this. I'm going to do this. You got a deal. I'm going to follow you. But first, I got to do something. But he said, Lord, what's that next word? Got to all say it. Lord, first. See, what we're talking about here, if you want God to make your story big, then you've got to make God big in your story. It's all about the first. It's all about the priorities. It's all about where you put God on your list. This, this guy's saying, but first, let me return home and bury my dad. Now, listen, that sounds spiritual, and it, and, it, and it sounds like that's not that big of a request, isn't it? I mean, Jesus, come on, have a heart. This guy's dad just died. Let him go home. Let him put him in the ground, and then he will come back and follow you. I mean, Jesus, I mean, have a heart. Anybody else feel like maybe Jesus is being a little too hard here? Come on, he ain't going to strike you down. It's okay. You're not going to die. All right? Listen to how Jesus responds. All right? Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Dear Lord, Jesus, come on now. 
first, let me go home and bury dad. Now, there's a problem with this. The first thing is this. I mean, here's what you have to understand. His dad is not dead yet. His dad, his father, isn't dead yet. Now, how do I know that? A couple of reasons. Number one, if his father had already died, he probably wouldn't be hanging out with Jesus. He would be making funeral arrangements. Number two, Jesus has let the spiritual dead bury the dead. How many times have you ever seen dead people bury dead people? This ain't sixth sense, you know, I see dead people. No. I mean, that's not what we're talking about. And, and this is even more important, culturally. The person, the, the, the guy, the son, who is the oldest son, his responsibility was to care for his parents. And what he's saying is, you know what, it's not that my dad is dead. He's saying, let me, I want to go home until my father dies. Because it was his responsibility to take care of mom and dad. That was the custom of the day. To kind of wait around until the father passes. And when the father dies, you receive the inheritance. And then, you know, you kind of put the affairs with other, and then you get the money. And here's the thing. I think what he's saying is this. He's saying, you know what, Jesus, let me go home. Let me wait till my dad is dead. He's sick. And then once he dies, I'm going to have this inheritance. And you know how you told that first dude, the foxes have holes, birds got nests, but you ain't got a place to stay tonight? You let me get this inheritance. And we can stay at the Marriott tonight. You let me get this inheritance, and when my father passes away, you know what? We're going to stay at the Opryland Hotel. Heck with the Marriott, right? We're going to go big or go home. And he's saying to Jesus, listen, I've got a plan. And my plan is simply this. I can help finance your ministry, but let me wait until my father passes. I mean, some of you, you've got a plan. That you follow Jesus after your plan, after this. But let me tell you, God doesn't want you to get serious about him after your stuff is done. See, the issue is priority, remember? First, let me go home. And that's what we're talking about here. Some of you, this is kind of how you approach Jesus. Jesus, you know, wait until after. After this, I will fill in the blank. And let me throw some stuff out there. I will start tithing and really giving to the church once I get my bills paid. Do that. I'll do that. Let me tell you, do you know when you will start tithing and start giving? Never. Because your bills will never be paid. Because you will continue living. And if you live, you will spend. Unless you change what you're doing. Or, you know what, I will start getting serious about my relationship with you once the kids got the season they're in. You know, it's soccer season, and then once soccer season's over, and, you know, then uh, dance season is going to be there, and then after dance season, there's baseball season. But after baseball season, football season will come around, and then after that, then I'll serve God. Let me tell you, you will never serve God because there's always another season coming. I will serve God once I get my career in place. I will serve God once I pay off these debts. I will serve God once I get this house built. I will serve God after. Let me tell you, there's a lot of problems with that thinking. The first thing, you're assuming some things. By the way, anybody know how to spell assume? Don't say it in church. Just saying. You're assuming some things. The first thing you're assuming is this, that there is going to be an after. You're, you're assuming that there is going to come a day when you will actually, and you know what? There are no guarantees. We have no guarantees that we're going to live X amount of days. Let me tell you another thing you're assuming. You're assuming that it's going to be easier to follow Jesus later. 
And let me tell you, it is never easier to follow Jesus later. You want to know why? Because life happens. Babies get born. And then they grow up, and then another baby gets born. And then he starts growing up, and then another baby gets born. And you're like, dear Jesus, where do these things come from? <laughs> dear Lord. And then there's diapers, and that's what I'm saying. It's what I'm saying. Some of you, 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 you're smelling what I'm putting down. Diapers. I, I mean, life just happens, and things always get more complicated, never less complicated. And you're assuming that the longer you're going to go, the easier it's going to be to follow Jesus. And that assumption is wrong. Sometimes our plans get in the way of living a bigger life. Jesus wants us to live a big life, a life that's impacted by God. But that's going to happen when we stop putting God on the waiting list and when we put him first. There it is. Delayed obedience is always disobedience. Always. God doesn't want to be on your waiting list. Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and to preach about the kingdom of God. I mean, what does that mean, the spiritually dead bury their own dead? Well, here's what you got to realize. The Bible calls people who don't have a relationship with God spiritually dead. You see, they, ha- they, they, they act like live people, but there's something inside of them that's not alive. That's what the book of Romans says. So um, some of you, you know what I'm talking about because you've got friends, you've got relatives. You go to work with some people who are spiritually dead. They know nothing about God. They know nothing about Jesus. They talk about just taking all of their stuff that they've accumulated during the week and go out and blowing it on Friday and Saturday night. And they think they're really living. But, but you know what? I don't think they are. You know, it is fun for a while, but many of them are going to wake up in a pool of their own vomit, or they're going to, you know, they're going to, as they continue doing all of this stuff, they're going to get lonelier and lonelier. And God is saying, listen, you let the spiritually dead take care of all of that. Your job, Jesus is saying, is to bring life. How do you bring life? You bring Jesus. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you have brought life in Jesus to your work. You brought life in Jesus to your company. You brought life in Jesus to your family. And it's not that you've got all of that and you're special. It's not that. It's you're willing to say, let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus will always bring life if you let him. But so many of us, we're clinging on to nastiness and death, and we're saying, you know what? My plan is better than your plan, God. And Jesus saying, no. I tell you, he says, just let me go bury my dad. And that leads us to the third guy. Because I think the third guy, as well as the second one, some of the biggest struggles of us really getting serious about God is our family. Is our family. Look at what the third guy, he says this. Another said, Lord, yes, Lord, I will follow you. So this guy, he says, I not only will follow you, he calls him what? Lord. That means master. You're calling the shots. Again, he sounds good. Lord, I will follow you, but what's that next word? What are we talking about here, people? First. It's about priority. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. I just want to say bye, Jesus. Is that too much to ask? I mean, again, it does not sound like an unreasonable request. Let me go home. Let me kiss my goodbye. Let me get a handshake to dad. What's up? 
We, you know, we don't kiss our dads that much, do we? We go, what's up? All right? All right? We kiss our sisters goodbye. All right? We give our brothers wedgies, noogies, and then we're gone. Let me go home and let me just say a quick goodbye. I mean, that's what he's saying, right? But let me tell you, what is it at home that caused Jesus concern? Because what we're going to see is Jesus ain't for this plan. Here's the reason why, two things. Number one, in Middle Eastern cultures, when somebody leaves, it's not just a quick goodbye. Uh, how many of y'all have ever been into like a, a Middle Eastern country, like a culture, like a wedding? Anybody? A few people. They don't do anything quick, Right? I mean, here we do a wedding, it's 45 minutes long, and we're out, all right? There, it, it could go on for a week, two weeks, right? So number one, this is gonna, not going to be a quick thing. And number two, they're going to be in this huge party, and people are going to start asking questions. Hey, wh- why are you leaving us? Uh, how, why are you going? How far are you going? When will you be back? Uh, what, suppose something happens. Suppose this guy that you're following, this Messiah dude, what if he's not the guy? You see, what's happening is that Jesus knows that these people had the influence to talk him out of following God. What Jesus is dealing with are the influences in my life and in your life that may change our minds. So this is how Jesus responds. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fitting not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, how many of y'all ever plowed? Not too many of us, thank you. All right. Some of us have plowed, but we're not really a farming society. Let me put it in different words. Jesus is saying, if you look back, if you go back, you will stay back. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because there was a time in your life you really be, you used to be close to God. I mean, you were 90 to nothing with Jesus. You were, maybe when you were a teenager and you got excited about it, maybe you went to camp or maybe you went on a retreat like Merge um, and you got back and you're like, man, me and Jesus. And you went back to your parents and they threw water on your passion, cold water on your passion. Others, it may have been that uh, you went and uh, it, it was not maybe your parents, but maybe an old friend that threw water on your passion. For others, it may have been an old flame that just kind of kiboshed it. And you used to be close to God, but somebody who influenced you and talked you out of it. And, and, and some of you, it's like, it's like this. How many of y'all like ride bikes? Any of y'all ride bikes? Here's the thing. Or, or a motorcycle, when you're driving or you're riding down the road, when you go like this, what happens to the handlebars? See what I'm saying? Wherever you turn your head, that's the direction you're going to go. And some of you, you're here today and you're like, I think I want to get serious about God, but you're looking back over your shoulder. Man, I remember those parties. And those parties I had, those were awesome. And the women I could pick up, man, I'm telling you, those are some good-looking babes. And then, you know what, I, and, and you just you keep on looking over your shoulder and you start wandering and wavering. And you wonder why your life feels like you're in a rut. Because you are in a rut. Because all you're doing is going in circles. 
And God is saying, I want you to do and accomplish something amazing for me, but you can't because all you're doing is looking back. Um, I, I wasn't going to tell this story. I told it first service, though. So, um, I remember when I was in college, and I decided to run one day for fun. I know it's crazy. I don't know if y'all know about, a lot about me. I don't run a lot. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? I'm going to try it out. All right? So I start running. And I'm on Madison Street, and I'm running, and, um, and, and some people honked. And I thought they were being nice. I thought maybe it was my spandex. I thought, you know, I'm, maybe I was putting out the vibe. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm like, these people honking at me. Come on now. So this is what I do. I'm running. Bam! I hit a telephone pole. I can't make this up. I am on the ground. I have got splinters in my forehead. And I'm going, what just happened? Right? And, I, and looking back on that, I don't even think they were honking at me. I think somebody maybe cut them off. But let me tell you, whichever direction, whichever direction you point your head toward, that is where you will drift. And some of you, God is saying, I want you to live a big life. I want you to go this direction. But this is what you're doing. Let me tell you, there is something about our past and keep it on looking back over our shoulder that will keep us in a rut and eventually can get you hurt like I was hurt. You're weaving and you're wandering. God wants to be bigger than your stuff. He wants to live and make a big life for you in your life, but you're going to have to make him big in your life, and that means bigger than your stuff. God wants to be bigger than your plans. Some of you, you've got your four-year goals and your five-year goals. You've got your plans down, and God's saying, okay, you can plan. But what if I want to do something different? Are you willing to let these plans go and follow me? Some of you, God's saying, I want to be bigger than those people who influence your life. Your family, your friends. I want to be the one influencing your life. And I know you say you just want to go back and kiss some people goodbye, but I know something that you don't. When you go back, they're going to start making you second guess and question, should you even be doing this? God wants to be first in your life. If you want God to make your life big, then you've got to make God big in your life. God has a plan for you. Last verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know, everybody say no. I know what? This is God talking. I know the plans I have for you. Do you know God has a plan for your life? And it may just be a tad bit bigger than what you've been aiming at. God's plan for your life may be not being with him. God, God's plan for your life is for you to actually shoot a little bit higher than her. God's plan for your life is more than just existing in a warehouse job, but he's calling you to something more. But you're like, I'm comfortable here. God, I mean, you may be in a nice professional six-figure job. I mean, and it's nice. You got your corner office. You've got your business cards. 
whatever it says on it. And God's saying, okay, that's great. But if I say, leave it behind. Do you believe that the plans I have for you is bigger than your own plans? Because I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you what? A future and a hope. But so many of us, this is what we do. We hang on to our stuff, our plans, our stuff, our people. And God's saying, I've got so much more. I've got so much more. I think, as I close today, I think so many of us, God wants to give us something so much more amazing than we could ever hope and dream. He wants to give us something great. And you you and I are white-knuckling things that are halfway good. It's like you have a pack of ramen noodles. And you're going, I love my ramen noodles. It doesn't get any better than ramen noodles. I love, love my ramen noodles. And Jesus is saying, I've got this steak for you. Mm. It's a filet wrapped in bacon. (laughs) Did somebody say bacon? I've got something so much better for you. But I love my ramen noodles. Yeah, but look at this. What I offer you is so much more fulfilling for you. It's going to fill you up. And what you, your plans, you keep on trying to do them, and it's just leaving you emptier and emptier. But I can give you water that will never thirst again. I can give you bread that you will never hunger again. I can give you steak. But that means you've got to drop the ramen. You've got to say, I'm going to go, I'm going to follow God. And there's some days that steak is going to be on your plate. There's some days that nothing's on your plate. And you're trusting God, going, God, you know, I, I don't know where it's going to come from today. But I know you've got me. And I know when you are writing my story the person, the author who writes your story, you know, when we're, when we're sitting here and we're, we're at the movies and we're watching the story unfold in front of us, you know, we're biting our nails, what's going to happen? What's happening here? What is going to happen? But the person who wrote it, they're not biting their nails. They know exactly what's going to happen. Why? Because they authored the story. And some of you, you're biting your nails and you're going, I don't know what's going to happen. And you know what? I don't know what's going to happen either. But we, if we truly abandon ourselves to the author of life, the author who wants to not just let your story just exist and just flow out, but to really make your story an Oscar. That's tonight, baby. Oscars. Right? I mean, to make your story something big that everybody will be talking about. But in order for that to happen, we have to put him first. What's keeping you from putting God first? What excuses are you using? Whatever those are, 
you're hanging on to ramens. You're hanging on to some nasty, nasty cheap noodles. Did I say nasty? Cheap. And God's wanting to go. I got something so much bigger for you. Let me pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for your love and the grace that keeps on giving, even though we cling to some really worthless things in our lives. Lord, I do know that there are a lot of people here this morning. It's a struggle. It's a struggle because we feel that you're calling us to something more, but we're comfortable. Lord, it's a struggle because we feel like you're calling us to do some amazing things, but we're hanging on to security. Lord, I pray that every comfortable thing, everything that gives us security that doesn't include you in it, Lord, that those would evaporate. And that we would have no other choice but to follow you without abandon. I pray, God, that the men, that the women, that the students, that the children here in this community, Lord, that we would make your name great. And by doing so, Lord, Lord, that you would write a great story in our community of faith. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.